The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome back to Straight Talk. Uh, Such an exciting uh, episode today. I love every week on Straight Talk. You hear me say it every week, so I don't want you to think I'm never excited. But I'm a parent, and I'm sitting here with top therapist. Uh, She happens to work for my clinic, Georgia Dow. And um, we're going to talk today about parenting, probably the hardest job in the world. Now, Georgia is, um, again, a top therapist, a parent, um, a specialist in anxiety, a specialist in boundaries and consequences, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but who's counting? What don't you do, Georgia Dow? Welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate to be here, and I love that we're going to be talking about parenting because, as you said, it's the hardest job that you'll ever get to do. And we don't get a blueprint. No, we don't get a manual. We don't get a manual. And every day, I know you, like myself, get parents asking you, am I being too hard on my child? Am I being too soft on my child? So today, I really want to tackle authoritarian parenting, laissez-faire parenting, the new fashion of anything goes, my child is my best friend, which you and I, the hairs on our arms go up when people say that. Maybe we should stop right there. Why do the hairs go up on our arms when parents say... I, I want to be the best friend of my child. What's wrong with that? Sounds so nice. It sounds wonderful. And I, I love the fact that people care enough to not just be a disciplinarian to their children. But kids will have a lot of friends in their life. But they will only have two parents. And their parents are the most important role in their life to teach them right and wrong. To be able to say no to them, even if they're not going to be happy with that. And I find that if you try too much to be a friend to your child, you're missing out on the most important job, which is teaching them how to live. Okay. So fair enough. Um, But you know, we we were talking a bit before the show. Uh, You know that we have to teach them boundaries and consequences, which, you know, we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But we also, I want to make sure that we don't miss in the hour the fact that we also have to give them a little bit of leeway and trust before we start to put the consequences down, especially as they get older. But Sandra, if I give them trust, they may fall down and get hurt and make a mistake. So you're being facetious right now. I know you are, Georgia Dow. I know you are. Yes. They can fall down and make a mistake, and we can put a consequence. And isn't resilience, and that's why I know you were being facetious, isn't, you know, I say this all the time, resilience is, resiliency is the biggest gift you can give your child. And why is that? Because there are good times, there are bad times in life, but you have to be able to survive them. And resiliency is the ability 
to survive difficult times. Now, I'm going to be facetious with you. How can I develop resiliency as a child if you protect me from all my mistakes? I mean, after all, you're just protecting me. Good for you, right? Well, wrong. Then, yeah, because then you get really good at learning to make rules and boundaries, but how does your child learn how they're going to fix mistakes if they never make mistakes? How are they going to learn how far they can climb if they've never learned to climb and fall down? How do they understand these rules that are so important? And you may develop a child that's never failed in their life, which sounds lovely until the first time that they fail, it's at 20, and they don't understand. It makes them crack because they're not sure, how am I going to fix this? Which can be devastating to a child. And so it's much easier to learn that, you know what, I can make a mistake and it'll be okay. Okay. So Georgia Dow, you bring up a very good point. Because in fact, that comes back to the stop sign theory, which is without stop signs and without traffic limits and without... Life would be so much better. And you don't know her. She's just teasing me. Chaotic, right? <laughs> yes or no? Yes. We need. We may not like stop signs. Oh, excuse we, me. I was hoping she'd finish that sentence because I was having a sneezing fit. Go <laughs> ahead, Georgia. We may not like stop signs. We may not like rules and regulations, but that's what puts order in our life. And you need to put boundaries and consequences in a child's life so that they learn when they go to a job that they can't just show up late and everything's going to be okay. We want to not protect them from the world. We want to prepare them for the world. And in order to do that, we have to teach them the way that the world works. And so their boss is not going to be like, oh, it's okay, sweetheart, sleep in an extra 20 minutes late. There's no problem with that. They're just going to get fired. And that's a hard lesson to learn at 20. Whereas if you teach them boundaries and consequences at a young age, they'll learn that that's the way that the world works. And I have to follow rules even if I don't like them or agree with them. Okay, I happen to agree with you, but hold on a second. Since we seem to be on the, the theme of the show seems to be let's let's be facetious. So let's be facetious. <laughs> that the That's the theme of the show. Okay, so hold on a second. My children are crying. They're sad. I don't want my children to be sad. I want them to be happy. So I don't want to put a boundary and consequence. And plus, you know what? Let some things go. No. I, I think that that happens a lot. I think that parents often want their children. To, and, and I think it's a good thing to learn to have your children be happy. But one is you don't want to end up dealing with emotional terrorism where your child being unhappy will make you change rules. Now you're setting a really small game because if at three years old they'll have a small fit and then you taught them that if they have a fit you're going to change the rules of the world, what's going to happen when they're 16? The second problem with that statement is that sometimes you will be unhappy. And it's a good thing to learn how to deal with being sad and that being sad is okay and normal being un having to deal with suffering is okay and normal now it's not an unsurmountable amount you don't want them to always be unhappy but you also don't want to think have them think that your job as a parent is to always make them happy your job as a parent is to do as you said make them resilient so that they'll be able to deal with the unhappy times of their life and to know that they have learned the coping skills of being able to deal with that. And I think that the last part is that I think that a lot of kids really, a lot of parents really want to do the best for their children, but sometimes they're doing too much. And tell me, what is the, the thing that you see most with parents that want to do too much? What happens with these parents and their kids when the parent's doing everything for their child? 
Good question, Georgia Dow. Um, so if we have a parent doing too much, we have an overfunctioning parent, and what does overfunctioning attract? Underfunctioning. So if the parent's doing too much, why should the kid do anything? So if the parent's taking over the task, the kid sits back and says, hey, this is a good deal. And that's the same in marriage. That's the same in all relationships. And that leads into a little bit the helicopter parenting. So, you know, what is the problem with the, you know, I, people say to me, well, you know, they love the helicopter parent loves their kid. Can, can you give me examples? Because I think that a lot of times it's hard to notice when you're the one that's doing this. Can you give some little tidbits or examples of what could be seen as a helicopter parent. When are we doing too much? Because I think that it's really hard for parents to know when is it too much? Well, I think the idea of, I think that's a great question. And I think the idea of, uh, you know, helicoptering, you know, what does it mean? Turning around someone all the time, asking what's going on and making sure that there's no possible way your child would feel any pain or frustration. Example, you want an example. Okay, so your this happened to me. This is a real life example. So your child keeps losing things and you keep finding the object for them. You keep replacing the object. And I remember I told my child, oh, no, no, no. You're going to the lost and found to go, go ask the secretary about your sweater. And my child, who's very shy, said, no, I don't want to do that. Just, you know, I'll pay for the sweater or, you, you know, just get me a new sweater. It's no. Okay. There are consequences for behavior. If you're not taking care of your stuff, you need to go look. And the funny thing is when we forced her to go to the secretary of the school and ask, have you seen my sweater? A, the sweater was found. And B, the school actually thanked me because they were, they were saying, um, no one ever does that. Usually parents rescue their children by bringing a new swear. So I think that's an example of helicopter parenting is I'm going to fix things. Uh, one more. You helped me with this one, Georgia Dow. Uh, is my, it's true. I always call her Georgia Dow. She's laughing. Um, she's laughing her head off. Let it out. Let it out. It's okay. It's cute that you call me Georgia Dow every time. Georgia Dow. Is, we see each other every week yeah, all the time. That's yeah. why it's kind of cute. But she really is a Georgia Dow. Anyways, one time my daughter, we bought something for the table. Remember this one, Georgia Dow? Yes, we, I do remember this we one. We bought Sandra something Reach. to protect the table. <laughs> we bought something to protect the table and my daughter was taking her nail polish off at all of 10 years old and she destroyed the cover of the table and her attitude was, sorry. And that was just not going to cut it. So I called up, I actually saw Georgia Dow. And I said, Georgia Dow, you know, what do you think would be the appropriate, I'm just kidding, appropriate consequences for this? And Georgia really came up with a very creative idea, which is that the only way that my daughter was really going to learn to value things in our house, like they, she didn't pay for them, was to come up with a solution on how to fix the table. And you know what, Georgia, I don't know if I ever told you, it worked like a charm. She looked up solutions for cleaning the table and she sat there and she fixed the table. And you know what, she, she had to take care of the problem. So to answer your original question, helicopter parenting would have been to fix it for the child. Does that make sense to you? Is that about where, where you're at on helicopter parenting? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that it's, it's when you don't let your children ever fall. And in some cases, you don't even let your children's feet ever hit the ground and you, you know, you're always fixing their mistakes instead of allowing them the respect to learn for themselves how to fix something, even if it's not going to be as well as you might do it. But I, I love that example of what you did to, to solve the problem because you gave her a feeling also of respect, and that's how children will learn empathy. You want to teach your child empathy? It's learning to walk in someone else's shoes. And talking about it is, is lovely, but doing it 
really makes lifelong change. And I think that the first time I learned that how much work my parents put when I spill something on the carpet would have, was the first time that I had to clean up the carpet, not the first time I watched them clean up the carpet. And I think that we need to have, you know, often we have parents come in and say, I want to, you know, my child doesn't think. They don't think about consequences. They don't deal with that. And then I say, well, how often do you allow them to learn what are their own consequences and right. solve a problem? Your brain is a whole bunch of neurons, and neurons that fire together will wire together. Ooh, do you like that one? I love that a Canadian said that, you know. Daniel, Do Donald Hebb said that. It's brilliant. Neuroplasticity here in Canada. Exactly. Just saying. And, Proud Canadians. And, <laughs> and so if you want them to get better at something, they need to practice that. They're not going to get better by watching, and they're not going to get better if you give them the answer to every solution. And so you want to let them learn and learn in a healthy, moderate way. Since you said that brilliant line, neurons that fire together, wire together, can you clarify what that means before we go to break? Okay. So what happens is that what is learning? Learning is when neurons reach out and touch each other, and they create almost like a highway between different parts of your brain, and the more that they fire in the same pattern, the thicker that highway becomes yes, right. and the more synapses reach out and touch others. And so what you want to do, the brain learns slowly, so you have to repeat that. So it's like 0.03 millimeters a day. But if you train at something, even though you're not going to notice it right away, after a while, because they, they don't grow in a straight line, but after a while, they will connect, and then that's that feeling of, now I have this as a skill, instead of, I understand this as a concept. And that's really important with things such as consequences and empathy, is that as a concept, they may understand it, but they truly don't understand unless they've been actively working to do that. And everyone is actively learning to be better at whatever they're doing at the moment. So we're learning better how to talk on a radio show and you're learning better to listen and we're all getting a little bit better at that. Such an important concept is neuroplasticity. One of the greatest news in psychology that ever came out is that we can change our brains and therefore change our lives. Mm. Uh, when we come back, Georgia, I'd like to talk about what authoritarian, parent crea authoritarian parents created, which was a lot of anxiety in kids, and how laissez-faire parenting is creating the same thing and how why anxiety is such on the rise in children. Uh, we'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. 
Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So, Georgia, we we left off and, you know, actually we had a technical difficulty and it's interesting because the concept of resiliency came up right now and no computer was working. And I think at the end of the day, we were laughing because what could you do other what than that cry? Do? Okay. So I, I often talk about when I talk, uh, when I speak uh, publicly about being the daughter of European parents. And I talk about the fact that the last generation, you're also the daughter of Europeans, um, it was very fashionable to be um, authoritarian parents. And authoritarian parents were quite strict. I always tell people and they laugh. I actually only thought there was one station on the radio. That is true, Georgia. Opera. I really didn't know there was anything else. My parents were extremely strict. And um, what happens is the new generation, our generation, we were so feeling so oppressed by that authoritarian parenting. So we started something called laissez-faire parenting. Now, I don't know if that term is used in the States because we live in a French province, so we're influenced by that. So maybe we should talk about what is laissez-faire parenting. It's the new fashion. And what's the problem with it? Right. Well, let's start off with like what is laissez-faire parenting because I think that it was the byproduct of having exceptionally strict parents is that we went through that oppression and said, you know what, I'm never going to be that way with my kids. Right. Because it was not fun. Right. (laughs) So I think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. And so laissez-faire parents are parents that say, you know what, anything's going to go. I'm not going to have any rules. I'm not going to have any boundaries. I'm, I'm just going to let my kids learn on their own, do what they want, make their own rules. And we leave it like that. But there's a whole bunch of negative consequences that come with that. What are some of the things that can happen when you deal with laissez-faire parenting style? Ironically, Georgia, as you know, is laissez-faire, which sounds pretty nice, let the kid do what they want, 
ironically produces anxiety and authoritarian produced anxiety. So there are two polarities that meet in the same place because if it's too strict, that that's you're bubble wrapping your child and the child is going to definitely not feel like they can stand on their own in the world. That's anxiety. Less a fair parenting is there's no, there's no walls. There's nowhere to push. There's no rules and regulations. So do whatever you want. 10 year olds cannot make their own decisions. So this idea of, and I hear this all the time and I have a very mature 10 year old myself. I hear this all the time. Well, I'm not going to tell my 10 year old what to do. Um, why not? 10-year-olds, now what we know from neuropsychology, you were mentioning neuropsychology, is we know from the work of Jill Bull-Taylor, a fabulous, fabulous neuropsychologist, is that um, she talks about keeping them alive till 25, that the brain is not even formed till 25, so they can't make good decisions. So less a fair parenting, I would say to you, Georgia, really produces insecurity and anxiety, and a sense of not knowing who they are because they don't really, they haven't formed that moral consciousness. They don't know exactly where to go and they need a boundary to push against to find out who they are. So we see at the clinic, as you know, because you're the specialist at the clinic who does this, we see an incredible, like almost devastating amount of children coming in with laissez-faire parenting. And would you agree it's mainly anxiety and probably you would, I think you might add some depression in there as well. I mean, how do you understand that, Georgia? Yeah, I think that it, it causes a lot of both. And, you know, I, I want to make the statement that both of this are parents. No, no parent wants no. to do wrong for their child. No. You know, my, my child came out and I looked at it for a user's manual, flipped him around. <laughs> there was no user's manual right, on this right. child. That would make life so much easier if they Which came with a user manual. Yeah. And so we do the best, but unfortunately... We usually parent either counter or exactly as our parents parented, right? Yep. I'm sure that you've had that moment where you've said the thing that you would say oh, to yourself, gosh. I will never say, say this to my to child. My yeah. And then at some point, blah, 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 it comes out of your mouth and you're just like, oh, have I you? did. I've, I have. I've done that. It's a scary done moment. That. Eh? It's a horrible, horrible yeah. moment. What was yours? Um, I've, I've said the one of... You know, I've brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. Um, I've said that one. It was kind of in jest, but still it came out and I went, oh, what am I saying? That's yeah. just silly. It's just yeah. ridiculous. What was yours? Well, I would say I don't think it's one line. I think that I was raised with a very high standard. And I think that I have to be very careful to not apply that high standard to my kids. And when I see myself applying that high standard, I say, oh, no, I'm doing Because it was so hard to live with that high standard. Like it, there's a sense mm-hmm. that it's never going to be enough. So yeah. I have to be very conscious to not drive my kids the way I was driven, which you know, the problem, in, and a lot of parents listening will relate to me, is that the problem with high standard parenting is it actually produces kids who perform very well. So then you get reinforced that it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not a good thing. Research shows actually that if you lower the standard, your kids will actually perf- outperform and at a more relaxed basis. So yes, uh, my parents' kids performed, but we were very stressed about it. So I don't mm-hmm. want my kids to be stressed. So it's about lowering the standard, but it's hard to do. And you're, you're very kind, Georgia, to say to the parents listening that it's not that anyone starts out wanting to hurt their child. I don't want my kids to ever feel any stress. But again, if I was asked to have a high standard, it's just a natural inclination 
to do the same with your kids. But I think we're getting to something very important in the show is how do we break the chain is I think we're starting to talk about mindfulness is how did you stop yourself and how did I stop myself? I got to really think about it. Do you? I, I did because even though sometimes I should know better, I really do do this for a living, and so I sometimes don't follow the advice that I would give to other parents. That's I so think honest that it's of so, you to say. Well, it's a hard job, and sometimes you get really upset, and you're frustrated, and you're tired, and you're trying to do so much. And sometimes, and this is for my case, is that because I care so much for my child and I want them to be successful, is that I can care too much. I can be too emotionally attached. I can I. I remember giving my child having a project and he made this beautiful project with all these little people in a house and he wanted to put the little people into the house of the project so he couldn't see them and I kept on going no take like you worked on these people for so long why stick them in the closed house that you're not gonna be able to see them with it's my own type a personality right right right. and at some point he went you know what mom it doesn't actually matter it's just a project and I went oh you're right. We you're learn, right. We learn from our children. We're, you're right. And so I think that it's it's a really hard job. And I think that a lot of people, you know, have a hard time to come in because, you know, it's a hard thing to say you might not be doing exactly the, the right moves. And we don't have a u- owner's manual. What we do is we just try to teach people new tools because we're all just doing the best that we can. And some people may not, you know, they may not want to come into sessions um, but we also have another way, if you're wanting to learn some different tools and tips as parenting and you don't feel like coming in because you may be too shy, what else could they do? Well, Georgia, uh, you and I actually created a DVD on this, a parenting DVD. It's been very popular. And um, the reason it's been popular is what we're learning more and more in psychology is about love relationships and parenting, that there is a science to it. And I think that we didn't realize, like you said, there's no user manual, but there mm-hmm. is science. And your job and my job is to make sure we know the science. So when we say that consequences and boundaries work, we're not just, it's not a Georgiaism or a Sandraism. We know from research that actually putting boundaries and consequences that are fair and reasonable, but teach your children what works and what doesn't. And human nature is such that we move towards pleasure. We move away from pain. We're rather simplistic creatures. We do what works. That there is a science. So we created the DVD series for that reason so that people could just learn the, learn the science of, um, you know, Many people call you and call me with different situations, but don't you find, Georgia, that the situations, although different, the problem is the same. What do I do in this situation? Should I put a boundary? Should I put a consequence? Should I trust my child in this situation? And I think we always come back to, yes, you should trust your child, but there has to be a clear boundary and a consequence, like a speeding ticket. And you're mentioning the DVDs because a lot of people don't come in for therapy and want to learn this. And that's why it's been you know, a lot of people have been very interested and bought those DVDs and used it in their parenting because we weren't taught this. No. But now we know. We yes. know for sure. And I think that, you know, I don't remember exactly every moment of our DVD as we taped it, but I think I can say with full a certainty. We talked a lot about this concept, and I guess you would probably say that every day of your career, you talk about the concept of a boundary and a consequence. Now, okay, you're mentioning the DVDs. You were part of that. Why are boundaries and consequence such a big part of our DVDs and about everything we talk about? We're on the radio. We're boundaries, consequences, like the same old, same old. People are going, enough with the boundaries and consequences. Why is it so important? You're laughing, but it's such a Sandraism and a Georgiaism. Why? 
because that's like the scaffolding that you learn to grow from. And so what you want to have for your home, and if you want to have a calm, relaxed, happy home. Can you have a calm, relaxed, happy home? You really can. With children? With children. I actually have children, and I'm, I'm Scottish, so relatively fiery in nature. My husband's Italian, fiery in nature. And so we've created boundaries and consequences. So, And the funniest part is we made certain boundaries and consequences because our home was not as calm as what we wanted it to be. I didn't want to go home and feel stressed because my kids are yelling and screaming and fighting. And kids are sometimes going to be yelling and boisterous and fighting. But that should not be the way that your home is most of the time. And so that's why we created boundaries and consequences, that there should be rules in a home and I, I have a lot of parents come in and you give them a rule and we you know we talk about what a rule and a consequence could be if you do not follow that rule just like life by the way if you if you get a speeding ticket or you go through the stop sign and get caught what's going to happen for a while I'll do I'll respect the rule and then eventually I'll start doing the same bad behavior again so a cons- boundary and consequence can't be off and on or once in a while, which is like people usually come up to me and say, I do do a consequence, but I can't really do it all the time. So if you have a boundary or consequence, it has to be enforced 95% of the time. If not, kids are gamblers and they know all of our weaknesses. So if it's only 80% of the time, they'll gamble on the 20 that they get away with it. That's too much. You made me think of two things that I really want us to get through in the hour, which is I want to talk about technology, which is a big issue. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, I heard a story today, and I find parents sometimes take things that kids say personally. Yes. And then you've got the parent getting wounded by the child. And I, get, I find that very problematic. Yeah, we've got to be able to separate. Because kids, as you often talk about, Georgia, are very good at knowing what your wounds are. They're like masters That's at that. why they're not left on rocks. Yeah. It's true. Let's talk about the rocks. Well, because like it's very difficult. And kids have learned to how to work. They, they know you implicitly. And sometimes you even try to hide your feelings or emotions. But even from your breathing, from your feelings, that's why kids get taken care of. Because they, they understand what to do. They've been with you this entire time. And so they understand how they could hurt us and so unfortunately that's why kids will say the thing that is your wound and so my kids say different things to my husband's because that makes my husband do what they want versus to me they say different things because they understand us so very well and that's why we work so hard to try to take care of them is because they understand us but because we love them so much they can also hurt us so very deeply now you say that and I I guess you know before the break I want I want to go into that for just two minutes is that what I do and I would recommend to people as a strategy is because it's very hard. But when it's Mike, if you said something that hit my wound or my husband said something to hit my wound, I have a different reaction than if my child does. Why would that be? Because I think that at the moment that you get into that dance with your child, it's very dangerous. First of all, you've taught your child how to mess with you. Mm-hmm. And second of all, all of a sudden, if you go into your wound, because our wounds are our childlike parts of us. So now we've got two children going at it. And I think I really feel I'm very tough on myself. And it seems that part works for me is that I need to stay in an adult role when I'm dealing with my child. I can fall into a child role with my husband, with my friends, with other adults, but I cannot fall into a child role with my child. Make sense? Because that's an important point, I think. I think that that's an, an excellent point. And I think that it does a secondary thing is when you engage when they have hurt you or have a discussion. One is it's saying now we're equals. Yes. And the second is, is that it's giving your child a lot of attention 
for a bad behavior. Yes. And even if you're angry at them, negative attention is still a reward. Even if you are angry at them, you are still rewarding that behavior, which means any behavior that is rewarded is going to increase in its frequency and also sometimes in its um, strength. And so you don't want to reward bad behavior by engaging in it. And I think that that's a wonderful point because a lot of people um, say that, you know, well, that's the way that I would, I would do the same thing if a friend told me or I think I do, would do the same thing as if, a, if my husband or wife talked to me. So if your child says something that hurts you, how do you handle that? Because I think that that happens a lot in parenting. Great question, and such an important one. So uh, I'll answer it, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk about technology. So my answer, again, is that I feel that, and I, you know, I definitely, I'm a sensitive soul, Georgia Dow. I'm a sensitive soul, and I definitely feel my child can say something that would wound me, but I feel like when it's your children, you're in your parent role, and I'm very clear on that. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see parents make is that they forget they're in their parental role. So I can get very wounded. You know, I'm sensitive. I'm a therapist. Therapists are people who are pretty sensitive. Um, But it's not with my child that I'm going to have that moment. So I don't lose sight of my role. Just like when I'm a therapist, I don't lose, I wouldn't start crying in the middle of a session. I don't lose sight of my role. And I think that it's extremely important that we don't lose sight of our role. This is so important. We're going to have to take a short break, but we'll come right back and we'll discuss this a little further before we get into technology. This is Straight Talk with Sandra Raich. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. Gosh, this is such an interesting topic and such an important one, really, Georgia. And, you know, I I can tell that we have about 13 minutes left. We're not going to get through it. We're going to have to continue this on. And parenting is something that people ask us about all the time. So in that time we have left, these are the things I'm hoping to cover is I think we need to stay on this a little bit longer, this idea of how do you not go into a child mode when your child is provoking your wounds. Uh, I'm hoping to touch a little bit on technology and maybe you can let people know about if they want to learn more about parenting skills. So we were talking on the break and it was very interesting because Georgia was saying, Sandra, that's such an important point. We have to go through how people don't get triggered and don't become unprofessional. And I said, unprofessional, ha ha ha. And she said, well, it's a job. And I think that's so well stated. It's so brilliant, Georgia Dow, okay, is it is a job. And I think that's exactly what I do. When I'm on parenting, I'm on my job. Mm -hmm. Just like I said, I would not start crying in the middle of a session with a client going, oh, you hurt me. That reminded me of my dad, you know, or whatever. It's the same thing with my child. Mm -hmm. Now, people might object to that. People might say, well, you have to be yourself to an extent, But the wounded part of each one of us doesn't belong in an argument with a child. And you said something about the fact that when a child and and you're engaging in your wound, why that's so problematic. You know, what were some of your strategies on that? Well, if I can mention just a little bit of why you don't want to do that is that one is that children are mimics. And if you want them to learn how to be calm in a heated moment, if you want them to learn how to react when their boss is angry at them, if you want them, you want to act how you hope that they will one day be. And so if you yell back at them, if you shout obscenities, if when you're hurt, you burst into tears and are, are overwhelmed with emotion and cannot pick yourself up, unfortunately, children will learn what you do. They aren't learning what you say. And so say that again. People, children learn what you do, not what you say. And so the first thing we wanted to do in my household, because we would talk loud and there was a lot of yelling, is that the first thing we did is, yes, we made a rule for our kids not to yell. And there was a consequence to that. But my husband and I also had a chart for us. We had it on the wall, no yelling. It was for us. It wasn't for our kids. And that made a monumental difference. And I'm not saying that we never yell. And it's, you don't have to. You can sometimes yell. It's okay. But now when I yell because my child is about to run down the stairs or hurt their they pay attention because it doesn't happen all the time. And now I watch them having a debate with their brother on why they shouldn't touch their toy because that's not appropriate instead of screaming at each other. And so it's really important because you're teaching them how you want to behave. So be how you hope your children will one day be, even when they're not. So when they're being disrespectful to you and they're pushing your buttons, you're saying, and I strongly agree with you that going into the like the smoky room as I like to call it with them and being disrespectful with them is going to really backfire even though it's very tempting because somebody Mm -hmm. says something mean to you it's a natural tendency even when it's our child to want to push back but we have to rise above that as parents and that's part of why being a parent is so 
heart. Yes. And because otherwise we're sort of condoning yes. the disrespect. Beautifully I, said. Yeah, we're condoning it. And I think this is, on my clients, this is a very common problem, mm-hmm. is that the client says something like, you're a lousy mother, you're a lousy father. Children, sorry, not the client, the child. Children say things like that, provocative statements. Yes, and it's hard for parents sometimes not to say, well, you're a lousy child back. Right. But that's teaching them that it's okay to call each other names when you're hurt. And so then the next time that they're hurt, it might increase that frequency of calling them names. And I'm not saying it's easy, especially if your parents were hard and harsh with you. But it's something that you practice and you practice it every day. And again, you're playing a role to be the best role model for them. And so let's go through a couple of tips on what not to do and what to try to do. Do you have any tips of what you do when you're feeling hurt and you're upset? I think that um, I really mindfully tell myself this is a child speaking as opposed to. So I don't really, it doesn't go deep into the wounded part of me. So it doesn't get in there. You know, I think I think you said it so well when you said when you said to me on the break that it's, you're a professional. And I went, huh? You're I guess we're deeming a new term here. Professional parenting by Sandra and Georgia. Professional parenting is that actually you can't step out of the role, which, by the way, Georgia is, you know, we won't have time for this today. But this is where parents also when they collude their children, a psychobabble word, when they start to bring their children into their sex life or they had a fight with their husband. It's inappropriate. Same problem. Yes. Same problem is that I'm in a role. So it does, it's a little bit like it bounces off of me. So if my child says, of course, it hurts. But it's a child speaking. So that's one of my favorite tips. What is yours? So my husband always says, and and this is his, so I'll give him dips for this one, is that he says, remember that you love them. And the second one is that we're on the same team. And that means sometimes that we get hurt and I will give myself, if I'm really upset, I, you know, walk into the kitchen and they're playing with the little tiny water fountain thing and it's all over the floor and they're (laughs) sliding on it, which has completely happened. I looked and I said, Okay, I'm just walking away for a second. And I go give myself a timeout, do some breathing, wait until I'm not feeling so upset. And so then triggered. I come back. And so sometimes I give myself a timeout as well. Which is great role modeling for your kids to learn that when they're overwhelmed and flooded with emotions, as any of us, when we're flooded, we can act childlike, is you taking a timeout is showing them it's okay to get flooded, but you need to go take care of that, not to just be reactive. And I mm. guess that's part of what we're talking about. Your tip is not to be reactive. Okay, very important. So before we sort of start to flirt a little bit around with technology with the time we have left, I mean, you have a lot of tips, Georgia, and they're very helpful. And you were talking about, I mean, you know, if people want to find you or learn more, how do they do that? And what's going on with you? And how do they learn more about parenting? So if you'd like to to take some more tips and, and learn some more tools to add to your parenting belt, what you can do is you can head on over to anxiety-videos.com and we have a full set of DVDs that you can order online and have them at the comfort of yourself and you can re-listen to them. And there's ones on parenting. There's also ones on sleep. Sleep with children is also really important on how to get them good mm-hmm. sleep habits. Yep. And so that's another topic that we will probably cover at, at a different point as well. And others on anxiety. Awesome. Now, we're not going to cover this today, but I do want to, I'm just going to jump in and say that it, your kids need a lot of sleep. Yes. I'm just going to say that. 
I'm going to leave it at that. Your and kids. it's a very important skill to teach them how to yes. go to sleep and sleep yes. properly. You spend a third of your life there. Yes, and it helps with their cognitive ability. Um, there's a lot of research anxiety. coming out, anxiety, depression. There's a lot of research coming out, by the way, new stuff on the importance of water. Children do better in school when they drink more water, so I want to get that mm-hmm. out there today. You're the technology woman. I love technology. We both love technology. Before we run out of time, is technology good for your children? Okay, so I just so that I can be a full disclaimer, I work on a technology show. You do. I uh, which is called iMore. I do excellent. a lot of I do a lot of tech talks. I also love video games, and I do another show on video games. So I am not at all the person that is just anti-technology. I love tech. That being said, my children are not on technology. They play very little technology. Use technology very little. They watch very little TV. Why? Well, okay, so one of, I started to realize that one of my kids, who was leaned more towards being type A, linear, and a little bit more anxious, would be more aggressive, and he's in te- his attention span would go down after he played a lot of video games. And so my husband and I had this long debate of how we need to cut down their time on technology. And so remember how we said before that neurons that wire together, fire, fire together, together yeah. or fire together, wire, wire together. together. So the more that they do that, what are they getting better at? Unfortunately, technology teaches them to be fast reaction right away when you see something, you get it. And it doesn't teach them to be resilient, to be patient, to take time. And it speeds up their brain. They seem like they're zoned out and it's calm and it's the world's perfect babysitter. But what is it actually teaching them? And so we decided to take technology out of their world. And they do they do go on technology, but they, they earn that with good grades. Earn it. Not a right, a privilege. Yes. And their behavior has completely changed and it has helped them. And so less technology is more. And I think that it's very prevalent that kids are on technology way too much. And I understand why we're tired. We want to cook and have our children not bugging us all the time. But it's just a lovely thing to have kids that get better at social skills and they deal with it. And if you want your child to be able to deal with conflict resolution and talking to people and understanding that and wanting to go out and garden and make books and do other things... You have to give them a space for that, and nothing is going to beat out video games. No. Because video games are dopamine-producing machines. Yep, and Dope. dopamine is novelty, and it's the crack cocaine of the brain. And suddenly the board game and playing outside seems really boring. Yes, there's very few things that will compete with a video game and win, yeah. period. So there you have it, is that the answer to the question really is, is this technology good for our kids? You're saying... No, it's not. Very limited. I'll say in moderation. In moderation and a very small moderation, which would be much less, I think, that most people would let. I I wouldn't even say it's one hour a day. I I let my children play or watch less than one hour a day. Imagine you're in the field. I'm in the field. I have every tech in my house. Every tech possible. Every tech on a full-grown arcade in my home. But why are we so, I'm almost out of time, but why are we so afraid when the other parents allow their kids to have tech in their house? And here you are, a therapist in the field of technology. I'm sure other parents are like, really? Come on, Georgia. Why are we so afraid to be different than the, the rest of the people? Because I get flack for that. I certainly, there's no way, there's no, I feel technology is a privilege, not a right, and my children have to earn it, and I'm worried about the dopamine. It's a real reality. We seek novelty as humans. So how do you deal with the fallout of, of your kids saying, well, all the other kids, all the other kids get to go on technology very quickly? Uh, well, I, I just say that it doesn't matter what other people do. I'm going to do what I think is best for them and so that they get to have the best foot up in life. And so if they have more better social skills, 
than, than other children that they're dealing with, one day they're all going to be going for the same jobs. And social skills are going to be one of the most important skills you can give your child to get a job. Because if they don't know how to communicate, they don't know how to deal with conflict resolution, they don't know how to think, then it's going to be harder to get those jobs. And I want them to have that opportunity to do that. And so they get to play video games, just not a lot. And not a lot is not going to gain them anything in life unless they want to be a video game player for the rest of their life, which some kids would. But I think you make a very good point and a whole topic for another show, which is that emotional intelligence, which is partly about social skills and delaying mm-hmm. gratification, is more of a predictor of success than IQ intelligence. So you can be great at video games, you can be great at computers, if great at anything. If you don't have social skills, it's going to be hard out there. You are a brilliant woman, Georgia Dow. I love having you here at Straight Talk. I love having you at the center. I'm a big fan, as you know. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I hope very much. Um, actually, I know you're going to be back in a few weeks. We're going to be talking possibly about more about parenting or even about we talk flirted around with a little sex talk coming up. Yes. Is yes. That right? Yes, we will be. And, and I want to say thank you so much, Sandra, for having me here. And what will you be doing going forward? I'm off to a couple retreats. I'm taking 10 couples to Mont-Tremblant this week, and we're going to work on making people have the best relationships possible, and I've got my woman's retreat coming up in June, and I'm looking forward to doing some fascinating shows to help people live their best life. So thank you, Georgia Dow, and this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.